Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you tell somebody next to you, God's got a miracle for you today. Hallelujah. Come on, tell somebody, God's got a miracle for you today. He's able. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can grab your your Bibles or your devices and go to John chapter 4. How many of you are ready for the word of the Lord this morning, the word of God? Let me see your Bibles, your devices, however you're getting to the word of God this morning. Amen. Amen. Love seeing your Bibles, your devices. If you don't have a good study Bible, you need to invest in one. Amen. If you don't have a good study Bible, let me encourage you to do that. Get yourself a good study Bible and use it. It'll change your life. Amen. Amen. Don't just turn on the TV preachers and the YouTube preachers and the Facebook preachers. and the, so Come on now. Don't shout me down when I'm telling you the truth. Don't, don't, don't do that. Go get yourself a study Bible and get in the Word and study. Thank God for all of those. And I'm not saying any of that's wrong, but you need to, well, some of them are. But you need to get, <laughs> just get in the Word and it'll help you figure that out. Amen. Thank you for your prayers. As I was out last week in New Orleans ministering, we had a great... Great. I know some of you tuned in to the Sunday night service, um, but uh, Sunday morning was quite powerful, and uh, I, I uh, well, Sunday night was too. It was a great weekend. Pastor Frank uh, and Pastor Paris, our spiritual parents, were out of town for his 70th. Today is, actually today is his 70th birthday, and uh, so they were able to go out of town as a family. It was the first time in years since the entire family was going out of town. And uh, so he asked if I would fill in for them. So thank you for your patience as I was out and your prayers as well. It was uh, Sunday morning. I was fully anticipating to get up and preach. You know, it was a Sunday morning service. I was fully anticipating that we're just going to do the, do the norm. You know, I, obviously I knew God was there and God's going to show up. But uh, I got up and uh, that was the end of that. So that's about all I did. Jesus walked in the room. It was quite powerful. It, there was a very distinct, um, very, very distinct atmosphere change um, very quickly, you know, at that point. And it was like, okay, here we go. And uh, it, we, uh, I ended up just giving a general, uh, just giving an altar call because there was, there wasn't, I mean, there wasn't anything I could do. <laughs> there was, there was about quarter till. I was like, well, we're still just worshiping. And there's, at that point, there had been prophetic words and messages and tongues, and people were, I was a mess. And so we just gave an altar call, and uh, it was awesome. People were getting born again and delivered and set free. There was no, you know, it's awesome. When Jesus walks in, I, I think, you know, we have to preach the word, and I believe in preaching the word, and uh, we're going to do that this morning. But uh, I, I also love it when Jesus just shows up. And um, he does he does the preaching himself, and uh, it was awesome. And Sunday night was the same way. It was a great uh, great service. I don't know if you could see it on the camera, but it was quite messy. And the the sanctuary is dark, so it's hard to see sometimes on the cameras as as whole sections are falling all over themselves, and you know, so it gets a little messy. But anyway, awesome. John chapter four. We're going to start a series today on the miracles of Jesus, which I'm really excited about. We technically we started it a couple weeks ago when we started with his first miracle, which was the wedding of uh, Cana, turning water into wine. 
But we're going to take a look at a second miracle today. We find that, pick that up in John chapter 4 and verse uh, 43. It says, After the two days he departed from there and went to Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things he did in Jerusalem at the feast. For they had also gone to the feast. And Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. <clears throat> and when he had heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went up to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. And Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. <clears throat> The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. And he was now going down, <clears throat> and as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. And he inquired of them the hour when he got better, and they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. It's about one o'clock in the afternoon. And the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he himself believed and his whole household. This again is the second sign Jesus did when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. I, I want to encourage you today, I, before I jump into the message, I, I want to encourage you today that if you're believing for your household, if you're believing for salvation in your household, I want you to tune in to this word this morning, that I, and I believe that God is going to stir faith in your heart, expectation in your heart for a miracle in your family. Um, as a matter of fact, before, and I just remembered this, I, I can't believe I, I'm just thinking of this, but uh, I got a testimony this week, actually, just about this very thing. Carol, come on up here. Uh, I'm going to put Carol on the spot. I, I, this was awesome, and, and I think this is just going to tie perfectly into what, what God is doing. Come on up here. This, she sent me this testimony, and I, I think this is just super powerful. I'm sorry. I'm putting you on the spot. I didn't even ask you if I could do this. This is like totally spontaneous. Do you mind sharing your story? I had, um, well, Pastor Zach had mentioned around, I think it was the Mother's Day or the week after that, he wanted us as a congregation to share our testimonies uh, with him. So um, when Mitko was here, um, I think it's probably been two or three weeks ago now, I was had my, uh, we took a special offering for Mitko. And Pastor Zach, as we were getting ready to take the offering, mentioned about a mom who on Mother's Day um, had been praying that she would receive a call from her son and Pastor Zach said he felt like as we were sowing our seeds that um, Mother's Day, that we would, that God would do something. And this mom stated, sent a uh, testimony to Pastor Zach, that she took hold of that by faith and planted her seed. And her son actually did call her on Mother's Day. And so I had already written out my check for Mitco, what I thought I was supposed to give. And I had an impression for a different amount. And I'm thinking, well, I just wrote the check. Then I had the second impression again, so I voided the check and I wrote another one. And as I listened to the words from Pastor Zach and the, the precious mother that was willing to share 
of what she received by taking faith in that seed, I told the Lord, I'm taking hold of this because you're not a respecter of persons. What you did for one mother, you will do for another mother. So I rewrote the check and I asked for a double blessing. And I asked him to take every seed that I've planted. And seeds don't have to be financial. They can be time. They can be any type of resource you have. Whatever it is, it's his anyways. So I asked them to start coming out from underneath the dirt and that they would come out and bring life. Well, I hadn't heard from my son Alex in over a year and three months. Um, I would text him and I would call him and he wouldn't reply, but I just kept loving him messages about how much I loved him and how much the Lord loves him and he is just, you know, meant to do something great and he will do great things. Well, when I uh, sowed the seed three days later, Alex texted me and I had not heard from him for over a year and a half. A week later, he sent me a text saying, will you come pick me up in Painesville? I'd like to spend the day with you. That was last Saturday, so I, I got to spend the day with my son. At the beginning of the year, the Lord spoke to us and said to believe for families, believe for miracles and families, and we have been seeing them uh, right after that. She's not here. She hasn't been able to be here, but uh, just quickly, Marlene um, Parks, um, she's online, uh, but she had um, many years ago had put her daughter up for adoption and never knew where she was, never knew anything about her, didn't know, you know, it was just, it was a thing of the past. Many of you have already heard this testimony, but um, or ladies have, but I'll, I'm sharing it for the rest that haven't. But literally, right after we said we were believing for families and miracles and families, her daughter, her this daughter that she had adopted out, she's 72, 73 years old, this daughter she'd adopted out in her late teens, reached out to her, had done a DNA test, had found out where her biological mom was, reached out to her and asked for a relationship with her mom. Miracles. So I want to encourage you today, if you're believing for your family and uh, lost family members or restoration in your family, please tune in to this word today. <clears throat> and, and everybody needs to as well, right? But so in John chapter 4, I, I want to kind of go verse by verse and talk about what Jesus is doing here and what's happening in, the, in our text today. So in John chapter 4, we're going to go back to uh, verse 43. It says that two days he departed from there and went to Galilee. Jesus had been in Samaria. You'll remember the, the story of the Samaritan woman. I'm sure that Jesus, Jesus had met her in the town of Sychar at the well. And he had sat down at the well and was, his disciples had gone into town to get lunch. And the, the woman comes out, this woman of Samaria comes out, and Jesus says to her, you know, the, the famous words, you, you don't just have one husband, the, woman, the, the man you're living with now, you know, you got five plus him, and, you know, really ministers to her, and then says, if you'll drink of the water that I give, it'll spring up in you an everlasting life. Remember the story. So that's, that's where Jesus has been. The whole, as a result, by the way, of that woman's testimony, the whole town came out to hear the testimony of Jesus. They wanted to hear Jesus' words. And so they came out and they believed 
because this woman had brought them out. Jesus had spent two days there ministering as a result of the revival in Samaria and what was happening there. And so now he's leaving Samaria, the place where the whole town has acknowledged him. He's now leaving and heading out for Galilee. Galilee was Jesus's hometown. This was his stomping ground, so to speak. This is where he had grown out, grown up. But he had left Samaria. The, the folks here in Samaria had even said, you could pick it up in uh, just the previous verse. It says in verse 42, they said to the woman, now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him and we know that this indeed is Christ, the savior of the world. I mean, that is what a powerful statement. Jeez, the, the Jewish people hadn't even recognized that, but now the, these Gentile Sumerians are recognizing who Jesus is, and now he's on his way to his hometown, which is very interesting um, because verse 44 is could really connected to verse 43. Verse uh, 43 says that he was leaving. 44 tells us that Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his home country. So where is he going? He's going to his hometown, the place where he has no honor. He's going to the place where people disrespect him, they've misunderstood him, and all they want is signs and wonders. Can you imagine, you know, just in your own humanity, leaving a city where everyone loves you, the whole town has come out to hear you preach, to hear you minister, to hear your story, and now you're, you're leaving to go to a town that you know you will not be received. People will reject you. They don't know who you really are. And ultimately, it's what got him killed. John 1.11, of course, already sets the stage for this. It says, he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. He went to the place where they didn't understand him. Maybe you've felt that way before. Maybe you're here this morning. You're thinking, man, that people just don't get it. That's where Jesus was at. He intentionally went to the place where he was misunderstood. What's interesting about this in verse 45, if you keep reading in verse 45, it says that um, so when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him. But it was a conditional receiving. They welcomed him. It's interesting. Right? They, this is his hometown where Jesus has just said they, they don't receive this prop. They're not receiving a prophet. They, they are not honoring him in his hometown. But now he's come to Galilee, and it says, the Bible says, that they received him. But it comes with a condition. It says in verse 45 that they received him having seen all the things he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they had also gone to the feast. So he comes to his hometown. Wouldn't you love to come to your, your family, your home, and, and you come in, you walk into your, your family's house, and they greet you, and the very first thing that they ask you is for you to do something for them. That's what's just happened. Jesus has walked into his hometown, and they've all come out to meet him because they saw what he did at the Passover feast in Jerusalem, and they wanted him to do it in Galilee. 
What a setup for a miracle. <laughs> what a place, what an atmosphere to minister in. The only reason that they want you there is so that you'll do something for them. The only reason that they, they want you in their town is because you give them some sort of fame and, and, and miracles, the words and the, the advertisements and the, all the things that are going out about Jesus' ministry are spreading and they want to get in on the action too. I mean, after all, if there's a sign and a wonder happening, let's do it in Galilee too. We want to get in on this. And that's the atmosphere where Jesus has just walked into. They came out to see the signs and the wonders and all the good stuff that had happened. In John chapter 2 and verse 23, it even references this atmosphere. It says, when he was in Jerusalem at Passover during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. So there was... Great miracles, signs, and wonders that were happening at the Passover in Jerusalem. But the Galileans have had this idea that we need Jesus to come to our town because maybe he can give us some fame and fortune too. So at verse 46, Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee where he had made the watered wine. We know where he is now at. He's... He grew up in Nazareth. Galilee's about uh, seven-ish miles outside of, of Nazareth. So he's in his hometown area, obviously based on the wedding of Cana. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. But uh, the, the, the way that John lays out the story of the wedding of Cana, we can assume that that wedding was a close friend of Jesus' family. The mother uh, of Jesus was there. The Bible gives note to that Mary was there, and Mary was giving orders to the servants. This could have likely have been even a family member of Jesus that was getting married. So he's back in this area where he's known, and people know his story. They know who he grew up with and all the stories, right? Every, how many of you know the hometown stories? You, you go to your hometown. Maybe this isn't your hometown. You go to your hometown, people know your stories, right? Uh, if you go to your particular neighborhood, people know who you are. They know all the stories about little Johnny or little Susie and how you grew up and how cute you were or how problematic you were or whatever the issue is. Jesus is back there. And a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. So Capernaum, we're about 15 miles away from where Jesus is at. The nobleman has come to town has come in to see Jesus. He heard, verse 47, when he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went in and implored him to come down and heal his son, for his son was at the point of death. Now, this nobleman that had come in, uh, the word nobleman there is a, is a royal official. This is someone in the Greek, it tells us this is someone that would have been connected to Herod's uh, court. They were a servant of Herod Antipas, which Herod, that, Herod Antipas, if you'll uh, know anything Bible history, this was the man who was married to his brother's wife and beheaded John the Baptist. So this wasn't the greatest of um, political leaders that this nobleman was working for. This, this uh, guy was connected to a very sinful, uh, deranged leader, and he's come out to Jesus because his son is sick and at the point of death. He's come to Jesus because he's heard about, as everybody has, the miracles Jesus was performing at the feast in Jerusalem. 
The Passover feast had come together, and Jesus was working signs and wonders. We don't know all the specifics of what was happening there, but it was enough for word to spread throughout the region. And now Jesus was here, and, and the nobleman comes in to this scene, into the crowd that's gathered, and he asked Jesus, will you come and heal my son? Now, I don't know if you've ever dealt with any sickness or issues with your children, but I'm sure that this man was desperate to find a cure for his sick son. We don't know how old the son was. We don't know all the details, but we know that the son was desperately sick. He had some sort of fever, some sort of ailment that had resulted in a fever that was causing him to die. He was at the point of death. Dad was desperate. This, this nobleman couldn't spend any more money to get him healed. There was, no, there was no doctor that could take care of him. The nobleman was desperate for a miracle. He was desperate for Jesus to do something for his son. He was wealthy, but the wealth couldn't fix it. He was influential, but the influence couldn't fix the illness. He needed Jesus to show up in the middle of his mess. I don't know about you, but maybe you've got a mess this morning. You need Jesus to show up in the middle of. Maybe it's your family you need Jesus to show up in the middle of today. But I, 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 just as this man, if you could just maybe be bold enough to just dare to ask Jesus today for a miracle, I believe he's going to do something supernatural for you. Amen? Just in case you thought John was in his writing was kind of distracting us here from from this idea that this was a sign-seeking, wonder-worshiping community. Just in case you thought Jesus had lost track of what was really going on here. Remember, he was the one that said, uh, after all, a prophet is without honor in his hometown. And uh, they had come out because of the signs and the wonders. Just in case you thought Jesus had gotten off track here. He says, uh, when, this, when this man comes out, the nobleman said, Sir, come down before my child dies. Um, but before that, verse 48, Jesus said, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. <laughs> so right in the middle of this man's desperation, right in the middle of the crowd that's gathered to see the, the miracles, the signs, the wonders, bring the fame here, Jesus. Jesus says right in the middle, and he addresses not only the man, but he addresses the crowd in the entire region, unless you people see signs and wonders. You will by no means believe. What about you today? Where's your treasure? Where's the treasure of your heart? Have you come out to see Jesus today to see what signs and wonders he might perform? Or are you falling in love with him because of who he is? Are you amazed at him because of, he's just Jesus, the Savior of the world? Are you amazed because of his glory and his splendor and his grace and his mercy? Or is he still just a sign, miracle worker for you? The official had come out and said, Jesus, I have a health need. Can you fix it? Jesus, I have a problem. Can you fix it? He didn't come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Can you save me? Jesus, I'm broken in my inner man. Can you fix me? Jesus, can you give me power to live for you? He came and asked for a sign and a wonder. But something that Jesus said to him awakened his heart. 
something that Jesus spoke to him awakened something on the inside of him. And so Jesus said to him in verse 50, go your way, your son lives. Go your way, your son lives. And the Bible says, so the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and he went his way. Somehow, somewhere, something that Jesus said in that moment, maybe it was the authority with which Jesus spoke. Maybe it was the Holy Spirit that was resonating on the words that when Jesus said, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. But whatever it was in that moment, maybe it was when Jesus said, go your way, your son lives. Maybe there was such authority in those words that it resonated within the man and awakened something in his heart, but he obeyed without question, and he went to see his son. He, he responded to the word of the Lord, and he believed, and he went. Sometimes you can't see what Jesus has already promised. Sometimes you're still on your way. Sometimes you have to take him at his word. Sometimes you're in the middle of your mess. Sometimes things still in your mind are broken and hurting and confused. But Jesus is still saying over you and speaking over you in that moment, go, your son lives. And all you can do in that moment is hang on and believe in the word of God when he says, go your way. And you hold on to that. I'm going my way. I'm going on the path with which Jesus sent me. He's ordered your steps. He's directed your path. Good God. There, there might be, it might be dark around you. You might be in a, in a place, in a season where it looks like it's hopeless all around you. But the word of the Lord is a light unto your path and he's directing your steps. It looked dark to this man, but he was hanging on step by step. He believed in his heart what Jesus had said, and he was on his way home to see his miracle. This morning, just step by step, it might be baby step after baby step. It might, God may have spoken to you about your family. Me and my household shall be saved. Baby step that out. Baby step that out, mama. Baby step that out, daddy. Walk and hold on to the word of the Lord for your life, for your family, for what God has spoken over you. Just step it out. It might be baby steps. This man had left and gone on his journey about one in the afternoon the day before, and he's on his way, and, and messengers come to tell him. Messengers come to tell him, Sir, we have good news for you. Your son lives. He wasn't even home yet. He hadn't even got there and seen it with his eyes yet. You might be in a place this morning, you haven't even seen it. You're on your way. I dare you this morning. I feel this so strong in my heart. You're on your way to your miracle. You're on your way to your breakthrough. You're on your way to seeing the provision of the Lord. I know it looks rough, and I know the way is hard, but hold to the word of the Lord. Hold to his 
steady, unchanging, undying, eternal word. The thing that which he has spoken will not return to him void. It will accomplish that with which he sent it forth to do. Hold on to his word. And get about your way. Get on your way. Get walking on your way. And as you do, as you do, word will come. Word will arrive before you ever see the fulfillment with your eyes. Word will come. There will be a messenger sent. <laughs> Woo! There, I, I prophesy that over someone this morning. There's a messenger on their way to you. It may be an angelic messenger. It may be someone in your life. It may be a situation you're believing God for. But there, there's a messenger on their way with a word of fulfillment with what God has already spoken over you. Your son lives. What you're believing God for lives. It's not dead. It's not hopeless. It lives. What that father must have felt in his heart. What must have gone through his emotions when he heard that his son that he was expecting to bury when the son that he was expecting to put into the ground, when the thing that he had, the, the, the hopelessness, the, when he heard, your son lives. My God. <laughs> Whoo! What must have come over him? And he in the, the Bible says that he began to reflect on when it was that Jesus said those things. I, I, I have to imagine this man was on his way and he was so overwhelmed with emotion. He was so overwhelmed with joy. He was so overwhelmed with all of the emotions that you could possibly feel in that moment. And he had to pause. He had to, he had to actually pause. The, the Bible takes note of this so specifically. I'd imagine that maybe even one of the servants was taken back a little bit by this man's need to actually process in the moment what was happening. I don't know if you ever been there where you were just so overwhelmed. You actually had to say, let me just take a step back from that and think about what I just felt and what just happened and what I just heard. And I, I think maybe one of those servants took note of that to such a degree that that somehow it made its way back to John. And when John was writing this gospel, he remembered that moment where, where that man got healed and he remember, when that son got healed and he remembered the, the, the servant telling him, wow, you should have been there when I told my master what happened. <laughs> he had to step back and he had to, he had to think for a moment about what, what had happened the day before. He had believed in the word of Jesus and he reflected back on what Jesus had said. Sometimes we need to reflect back on what Jesus said. Sometimes when you're on that journey, on your way to a miracle, you need to keep in front of you what Jesus has said. Write it out. Put it before you. This is what Jesus has promised. And he's, he's on his way. And news comes. And he remembers. It was the same hour. It was the same hour. What did he tell his family when he got home? When he got home, 
You know, verse, uh, verse 53 says, and he himself believed and his whole household. What did he tell his family? I mean, they're, they're there in his home. They, he was gone. He had gone to Galilee. Maybe, they, maybe he told them why he was leaving. Maybe he didn't tell them why he was leaving. But he left nonetheless. He wasn't there. But, but they were there. They were there. When, If you could just picture this with me, the whole servants, the mama, all of them, all the people, all the household, they were all gathered around trying to care for, for the son who was dying with fever. They were all invested in this. But they're watching this son who's at the point of death. They don't know what's happening next. They don't know what's going to happen. They don't know where, where dad is gone. They just know the man, this, this son is dying. And in one moment, at one o'clock in the afternoon, one moment, one time, at one, at 1 p.m., the, the, the clock strikes one, and this, this boy who was dying changes. All of a sudden, instead of a fever and laying emaciated in a bed and weak and, and, and on the point of death, gets up out of the bed and starts walking around the house and starts rejoicing, starts, starts doing his normal things. They don't know what's happened. They don't know the story. They just saw the son who was at the point of death now fully alive, fully healed. The servants come and they find the dad to tell him, tell the nobleman what has happened. This is what's happened. And he gets home, and I, I, I have to imagine the, the house was ecstatic, right? You know, I have to imagine that they were trying to figure out all that had happened and all that was going on. And, and the nobleman tells the story of how he had heard about a man named Jesus of Nazareth who was in Jerusalem doing signs and wonders and miracles were happening. And he thought, if I can just go to this Jesus, maybe this Jesus will work a miracle for me. Maybe this Jesus will work a miracle for me. And so he goes out. So I, so I went out to, to Galilee. I went out to find this Jesus to see. And I asked him if he'd come with me. But it, he didn't come with me. He just said, go, your son lives. And something happened on the inside of me. Something happened here at our house. Something happened. Something transpired here at our house. My son, who was at the point of death, now lives. But there was something in me. You see, I was dead. I was dead. I was looking for a sign. I was looking for a wonder. But, but something happened in me when Jesus said, your son lives, I began to live. When Jesus said, your son lives, I began to live. And when he told the family the story, the Bible says they all believed. They all believed. So what keeps us from seeing the glory of Jesus? Here he is displaying his glory. He's ministered to the crowds. He's preaching the message of salvation, but all the Galileans could hear is signs and wonders. 
Verse 44 tells us very plainly, Jesus answered the question, what keeps us from seeing his glory in verse 44, when he says, Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. These people were seeking signs and wonders, but they were missing his glory. Pride of attachment keeps us from seeing his glory. After all, he's one of us. After all, if he just does miracles for us, the fame about our, our town is going to spread. Everybody's going to know about Galilee. Everybody's going to know about Cana. Everybody's going to know if Jesus does miracles. And so the arrogance of being attached to Jesus, he's, he's one of us. He's one of our, ours. He was born here. He was raised here. And as a result of that, we miss the power of his glory. We can miss his glory when we have a sense of entitlement. Because he's one of us, I should get first dibs on everything he does. Or I ought to have special dibs, right? Because Jesus is from my hometown. I'm entitled to this. I deserve this miracle. The moment that you hear yourself saying, I deserve something from Christ, check yourself. You're falling from grace. And verse 44 also tells us that he's without honor. We don't see his glory because we become over familiar with him. He's one of us. We know Mary. We know Mary's story. We know Mary. And Jesus is just a carpenter after all. He's just an ordinary man. We become familiar with Jesus. We become too familiar with church, with Christianity, with the Bible. We become over-familiar, and it no longer has the power to shock and awe us. We're no longer in awe. We're no longer shocked by the reality of who Jesus is. We're no longer in wonder and awe and in amazement about the Christ the conquering king, the risen savior. We're no longer in wonder and awe. We just want to see another sign and wonder. When was the last time that Jesus amazed you? When's the last time that you just stood in awe and amazed? We used to sing that song, I stand, I stand, I stand in awe of you. When was the last time that you stood in awe of Jesus? Not because of what he's done, but because of who he is. You see, the unbelieving come to Jesus for what he can do. Believers come to Jesus for who he is. You may have started out as an unbeliever today, and you've walked into to the house of the Lord either today or at some point in your life you walked in because of what Jesus could do for you. Maybe what the church could do for you. But today, it's no longer about what Jesus can do for you. Thank God that he's still working on our behalf. But I don't serve him because of what he can do for me. I'm not in love with him because of what he can do for me. It's who he is. So when you begin to dive in and you look at the Jesus of John chapter 4 as John's writing and you read this story and you begin to chew on this 
and you, you dive into these scriptures, you see a Jesus who's full of grace. You see a Jesus who's full of grace. He intentionally came to a town. He intentionally went to a city that would not receive him. He intentionally came to the town that just wanted to see his signs and wonders. He, he came to a people that just wanted him to do something for them. He went anyway. He went for them, and he doesn't condemn them. He never condemned the man. He never condemned the crowd. He spoke truth over them, but he never condemned them. And he met them where they were at. He met them right where they were, right where this man was. He was broken and desperate for a miracle. He had came for a sign and a wonder, but he left with a resurrection. He came for a sign and a wonder, and he left with an awakening. He came for a sign and a wonder, but he left believing in Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus met him where he was, and he offered him healing even in spite of it. Jesus healed the son of someone who was connected to his enemy. This nobleman was working for Herod Antipas, the man who would murder Jesus' cousin. Jesus knew that the man, this boy that he was healing, was connected to the man who would ultimately murder John the Baptist, his cousin. And he did it anyway. Grace is what determined the healing. Not merit, not entitlement. Not how many times they quoted a scripture and danced around and worshiped. Come on, did you hear what I said? Grace is what determined the healing. Not because they fulfilled some sort of formula. Not because of his fullness. We've received grace for grace for grace. There is an ending, an ending eternal grace for you and I. And if you look and you feast on this scripture, you'll see the power of Christ, the anointed one, the all-powerful one. This boy was dying from a fever, and with one word, go, he was healed. With one word, they were 15 miles away. But with, with Jesus, there is no spatial difference. With one word, that word was launched into that boy's body 15 miles away. It could be, doesn't matter if it's 15 miles or 1,500 miles. When Jesus speaks, life happens, healing happens, restoration happens. And so we see the all-powerful one who is full of grace and mercy. Today, if you've come looking for a miracle or a sign and a wonder, I'm happy to tell you that Jesus is here and he's willing and he's able. But I can also tell you that there's so much more 
to who Jesus is than the signs, the wonders, and the miracles. He loves you with an everlasting love, so much so that he will lay his life down. He will, he will go to a person that hates him, his enemy. He's come to you, enemy of Christ, and has laid his life down for you. He's offered himself for you. While we were yet enemies, Christ died for you and I. While we were still in opposition to Christ, he's come. He's come into this room today. He's walked into this room today for you. He's walked into this place today to tell you there's hope in the middle of your desperate situation. He's walked into this place today to tell you that there's hope in the middle of your life. He's the anchor of your soul. He's the anchor of your life. He'll hold you sure in the middle of life's storms. He's here today to tell you that there's grace for your situation. He sees you hurting. He sees you broken. He sees you, he sees you in, your, in your night hour where you're crying yourself to sleep. He sees you where no one else sees you. He sees the hurting of your heart and the hurting aches and pains of your life. He sees you and he gives you grace. He extends grace for grace upon grace upon grace and brings healing to your heart and soul today. Yeah, that Jesus who was walking with that nobleman that day, he's here in this room. Why don't you stand with me? <clears throat> he's here in this room. He's here in this room today. He's walking. He's, he came to church before you did. He came to church before you did, and he's here. He's been waiting for you. He's been waiting for you. My heart right now by the Spirit of the Lord is so impressed and so heavy. There's some in this room today. There are some in this room today that your heart is heavy. You're burdened. Just like this dad was for his son, you're weighed down with the weight of the world. And even as I stand here today, I just sense the Spirit of the Lord stirring, compelling at your inner man, telling you that he loves you, telling you that he has grace for you, telling you that this grace will sustain you, telling you that his grace is sufficient for you in the place of your weakness, telling you that his grace will uphold you, telling you that his grace will deliver you, telling you that his grace will walk with you, and he's telling you about his power. He's telling you that he's able to sustain you. He's telling you that he's willing and he's able that the same Jesus who holds all things in this universe together by the word of his power, the same Jesus is holding your life together by the word of his promise, the word of his power. Yeah, he's working on your behalf today. He's holding it all together for you. With every head bowed and eye closed, if you're here today, you're in this place today and you say, Pastor, I need to, before I leave, I need to make sure I have peace with God. I need to know this Jesus, not as a sign, wonder, working God. I need to know him as my Lord, as my Savior, as my friend before I leave today. If you're here and that's you, I want you to lift your hand in this place. Anyone here today, lift your hand high in Jesus' name. God bless you. 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 Any others? 
I need to know before I leave today, I have peace with God. God bless you. Others here this morning, a number of hands have gone up. Before we do anything else, we're going to receive communion together in a moment. But before we do anything else, I want to give those of you that just raised your hand a special opportunity. I want to give you a chance to pray and to make a decision. Today, I'm moving forward with Christ. Today, he's my Savior. He's my Lord. And so I'm going to ask you to take a bold step. I'm going to ask you to meet me down front. I want you to get out of your seat. Come on. Worship team's going to sing. I want you to come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. You raised your hand. You raised your hand, or maybe you didn't. You need to. Come on. Come on. I need Jesus in my life. Come on. Come on. I need to make peace with the Lord. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Holy God, to whom all praise is due. Let's sing it together. I stand in all of you. I stand, I stand in all of you. I stand, I stand in all us all to pray together. If you're at this altar, I want you to pray with me. There's no magic in this prayer. It's just you talking to Jesus. You talking to Jesus. And we're going to just pray together right now. Everyone out loud so you can hear yourself. Everyone out loud so you can hear yourself. Dear Jesus, I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose again. Forgive me of all of my sins. Make me a new person in Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Now just praise him. Come on, just thank you right now. Now, I want you to listen. This is just the beginning of a journey. This isn't the ending. This is just the beginning couple things need to happen to help you grow in Christ. One, you need to be in church. You need to be in church every week. <laughs> I know that's like countercultural these days, but be in church. Secondly, we have a lot of small groups here that will help you. We have a number and we'll, we'll reach out to you and let you know about those. But getting in a small group where people can encourage you, be discipled, life-changing. I love love my small groups. And then thirdly, let's get water baptized. Right back there where that cross is, we have a water baptismal. Nothing, you're not saved because you get water baptized. You're saved because of Jesus. But when you get water baptized, you make a public statement. I am following Christ. I'm following Jesus. The old is gone. All that old life, the way I used to live, the old things, all done. Doesn't mean, you, doesn't mean you're perfect. Amen? Doesn't mean you're perfect, but it means you're growing. Amen. 
Amen. So I'm going to ask you, right behind you are some folks who are going to pray with you. I want you to just sit right here in the front row. If you came forward, just have a seat. We've got seats reserved for you. I want you to just sit right here in the front row. They're going to pray with you. We're going to take communion together as a, as a family. Amen? So don't go back to your seat. Just have a seat right there in the front rows. Jesus. I'm going to ask our ushers who are serving communion to come forward. We're going to receive communion together this morning. <clears throat> 